Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of that 401k podcast. This week's topic, we're going to talk about 401k plan provisions that I think um, plan sponsors should review for uh, tinkering. Uh, but of course, first things first, that 401ksite.com, further information on all our live events. Seattle's coming at you at September the 9th, November the 18th, Charlotte, North Carolina, and then late January 2023, that 401k national virtual conference. Uh, Seattle, Larry's trying to get me a guest. We should have one uh, next week. Charlotte, November the 18th. And then, of course, the National Virtual Conference, which is just $2.23 to be a part of. Two-day event, great con- uh, great content, uh, live uh, in your living room or wherever you're going to want to watch it. And, of course, uh, the beauty of uh, recording it is you will have the opportunity, if you miss any part of it, to later watch it on YouTube. Uh, and for those too cheap to attend, uh, it will also be available uh, uh, on YouTube at a later date. Um so let's go to the topic at hand, 401k plan provisions that, you know, I think should be looked at and considered. And uh, when I was in law school, and even after law school, even today, uh, I think uh, as David Geffen said about Don Henley uh, once on the History of the Eagles DVD, um, I'm a bit of a malcontent. Um, I have always been a big fan of truth and transparency. Um, there's that Judge Judy explanation, uh, don't piss on me and tell me it's raining. Uh, I've used that a lot. I've used that term quite a bit over the years. And, uh, when I tell people that it gets them a little, you know, irks them a bit, uh, because people are telling me a, a, a story, a song and dance. And, uh, the, the truth is, is that, you know, it, it's, it's quite different from what they're, you know, try, uh, trying to make things out to be. And when I was at law school, uh, and I was very critical of, you know, our uh, our jobs office, our careers office was it was a, it was a joke. Um, you know, they were uh, they had these big uh, law school was very very big in legal clinics, and. Um, you know, that was the opportunity for you as a law student to represent, you know, individuals. So I obviously, with my background and my interest, obviously I'm an ERISA attorney. Uh, I have a tax LLM, so I, I had certainly an interest in tax law, very, very, very big interest in tax law. And I applied to the tax clinic and um, my corporate law professor was the head of the clinic. Uh, what they didn't tell you was um, there were too many applications for, you know, the spots that were available. And when I thought that the program, the clinic, would be based on interest and grades, whatever it may be, it turns out that the professor literally picked eight names out of a hat. And, of course, a side note, I later find out years later, uh, this corporate law professor, she has since passed away, unfortunately, she was Linda Carter's sister-in-law because she was married to Linda Carter's husband, uh, Robert Altman. And uh, Janet Spragans was Robert Altman's sister, so that made her um, the sister-in-law to Linda Carter. Big fan of Linda Carter, you know, Wonder Woman and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, of course, uh, to play off the joke from 
Spaceballs, uh, you know, my law professor was Linda Carter's sister-in-law, and that made Linda Carter and I absolutely nothing. But um, I was a critic. Uh, I, you know, would say quite a few things. I offered my opinion, even sometimes when people certainly didn't ask for it. And through my criticism, uh, I was told, well, you know, things have always been done a certain way. And my answer was, well, what if it's always been done wrong? It's, it's again, one of my favorite lines in the movie Back to School. Uh, Thornton Mellon wants to buy his son Jason um, a bunch of new textbooks. And Jason's like, no, I want used textbooks. Uh, they've been highlighted before. And Thornton Mellon says, well, what if they've been highlighted by a maniac? Um, so, you know, if there are obviously things, uh, you know, people think things are set in stone. This is the way it should be and whatnot. And I think the plan sponsors should really look at plan provisions to determine whether, you know, the provisions still fit the needs of the plan and, and, and whatnot and the needs of the employees. And number one is obviously the eligibility for salad deferrals. I am a big fan um, of no eligibility requirements for salad deferral. And I get criticized for that because uh, people say, well, you know, we don't want small account balances. There's high turnover. And if you have a business that has a high turnover, the problem isn't the salad deferral eligibility. It's the problem with the business. You know, I work for a TPA where I joked that the front door should have had a revolving door because of the huge turnover. But that's not something that's the fault of the eligibility of the 401k plan. Now, the reason I like immediate eligibility was because I was an employee once too. And, you know, one of the, uh, my wife changed jobs and one of the big kickers was uh, there's a six month wait. And, and she, she, you know, she could stand that. A six month wait is a, is a pain in the rear end uh, for um, somebody who wants to defer from the day one. And the way to, you know, retain, especially recruit potential new employees. Having no eligibility requirements for the salary deferral component is a huge deal, in my opinion. And um, and the, the other reason, you know, obviously, uh, another reason why you should have immediate eligibility for deferrals is because we're going to have that change thanks to the SECURE Act, where, you know, long-term part-time employees are going to have to be eligible anyway. Where, you know, three years, 500 hours of service or more, they're going to have to be eligible in, in 2024. So uh, I think this is an opportunity to look at the uh, eligibility for deferral co co contributions and, and consider, why don't we go immediate? You know, we can require, um, you know, year of service for other contributions, profit sharing and, and matching. Um, why don't we do that? And again, you know, you can test the plan using 2101 anyway. Um, as far as safe harbor contributions... That's probably the only kicker because obviously if you have uh, immediate eligibility, I believe, immediate eligibility for deferrals and safe harbor contributions requiring a one-year on a matching, then the plan would still require a top-heavy test. I learned that uh, again recently with a plan that came to me with issues where you know they were safe harbor. They made the change. I think it was 90 days. They changed it from one year of service to 90 days eligibility for deferrals. And then they kept the safe harbor match at the same one year. And that was a big problem. And so, you know, again, 
plant sponsors get caught up on the small account balances. People terminate. You have the cash out rule. You can certainly spit people out, move them to an IRA, whatever it is. And so therefore, uh, you know, I, I just think that the, the positives of a adding immediate eligibility uh, outweigh the negatives, um, especially if you have a plan that's uh, not a safe harbor plan. But that's just my two cents. And, you know, that's probably the one provision where we'll agree to disagree because I think a lot of people don't like that. But I look at it from, you know, the idea that a 401k plan should be used to recruit and retain, uh, you know, good employees. And uh, I think that anything other than immediate eligibility is a knock um, on, you know, folks that, uh, you know, put in a uh, – uh, an eligibility requirement, especially that one-year wait. Next on my hit list, loans and hardship distributions. Um, you know, obviously there are plans out there that don't offer loans and hardship. Uh, there may be policy reasons for it. Plan, you know, employers don't want people to tap their money. And, of course, another reason is uh, headaches with compliance issues that, you know, arise from loans and hardship distributions, which could result, obviously, in taxable distributions. We know in a hardship that they will be, and Loans will be a taxable distribution, a deemed distribution if there's a loan default. The reason I like hardship in loans is because I want people to access their money when they need it. Uh, my grandmother always said it best, and I've repeated it a lot. Life doesn't go to plan. You know, the best laid plans of mice and men. Uh, you had the intent of putting the money away from retirement, and, and life got in the way. Uh, there's a medical emergency, and, and you need to access money. Um, you need to access money for a house. Um, you should, you know, if it's your money, so, you know, most 401k plans are solid deferral money contributions for, for participants. Um, you know, they should have access to their money. You know, I unfortunately, I, I'm not proud to admit it, but, you know, I had to withdraw money as a hardship in 2012 with Hurricane Sandy. Um, that was a lifesaver. Um, I've been paying it forever since because, you know, accessing that money and paying taxes on it and, and losing that, you know, tax deferred opportunity, it is what it is. But, you know, at least I have it access to that money. Obviously with a solo 401k, I, I had a little bit more leeway, but, um, I, I think it's bad, uh, situation for plan sponsors to tell their participants you can't access your money. Um, you know, put you know provisions in place to limit the the harm of hardship and, and loans. Require a thousand dollar minimum uh, for loans. Only require one loan outstanding per uh, at a time. Um, you know, this shouldn't be a payday loan outfit. Um, people shouldn't. You know, pay a hundred, hundred fifty dollars on a loan fee to take out a two hundred fifty dollar loan. Um, by limiting it, you limit the potential for um, uh, you know, mistakes on the compliance end, and you know, quite a bit of my practice is fixing a lot of these errors. Next, the fifty nine and, uh, and a half in service distribution. Uh, there are plans out there that don't allow money. Uh, to be distributed until actual retirement. I always like to have people who are age 59 and a half to have the opportunity to, at 59 and a half and normal retirement age, to access their money if they want to take a rollover or, uh, to, uh, or whatever they want to do, they should have the opportunity to do that. 
Obviously, next on my list, safe harbor contributions. You know, obviously, the basic safe harbor match, the non-elective safe harbor match, the Quacka. Uh, these are great opportunities for plan sponsors that are uh, failing or close to failing their uh, discrimination testing uh, by allowing, uh, by requiring this 100% vested contribution. Well, not, not for the Quacka, but for most safe harbor plans, the 100% vesting, allowing them to satisfy top-heavy testing, satisfy ADP and ACP. Uh, it's a win-win for those that can afford it, obviously. And, um, you know, the Safe Harbor non-elective, the 3%, really works well with my next topic, which is the cross-tested new comparability allocation. That works perfectly. While most, you know, plans offer a profit-sharing contribution that gives everybody their pro-rata contribution or maybe they do integration, Cross-testing is a plan design concept that would allow to um, employers to give a greater contribution to certain classes of employees and, you know, contribute a greater amount while allowing for the lower-end people to get a, uh, a minimum gateway contribution. Um, you can give somebody a 3% contribution to lower-end people and give the higher people around 9%. And again, you can um, use the safe harbor non-elective to satisfy the cross-tested minimum gateway. Cross-tested new comparability has been around for 20-some-odd years. At least it's been around as long as I've been. And um, it was finally allowed, I think, into the code with uh, the general test and whatnot. It really changed quite a bit in the way we can draft it. When I first started, it was... You know, this custom language that was just so difficult, and you had to de clearly define the groups. So um, I remember once working on a plan, and there were 50 groups because there were 50 people in the firm, and they named everybody their own class. And now for the last few years, I want to say going back to probably at least PPA, if not earlier, the plan document, volume submitter documents allow you to have everybody, uh, every individual defined as their own group, don't have to name them and, and do it that way. But obviously there are plan sponsors that, you know, still want to uh, clearly define the classes. Um, I think it works really, really well. I think it's a tremendous opportunity for most plan sponsors. Do something different. Um and it works best for those that have non-elective safe harbor contributions. You can, you know, piggyback the requirements of the safe harbor to satisfy minimum gateway. It's fantastic. Uh, and, you know, beware of plans that have the cross-tested allocation, but for some reason have a safe harbor match because they're uh, not optimizing the use of the cross-tested allocation if they use it in conjunction with a safe harbor match because you can't use the safe harbor match contributions as the minimum gateway. So, you know, it's quite um, a great opportunity for the high, highly compensated employees. Obviously, again, we use the three. I use usually the three or the 9%. But if you give everybody 5%, you give the non-highly 5%, um, pretty much give the uh, highly compensated employees the opportunity to get up to the maximum annual addition um, for the year on the DC side. So um, 
I just think that it's a tremendous opportunity for the plan sponsors that you know can obviously afford it. And uh, that concludes this week's episode of the 4K Podcast. This week we're doing a short episode, going away for a few days to Atlanta and Tampa, but we will be back next week with another episode. Go to that4ksite.com for further information on all the live events, including that 4K conference in Seattle and Charlotte. And again, hope you uh, join us for another episode of that 4K Podcast. <laughs>